So you probably picked up, we're going to be exploring this idea of busyness and FOMO this morning. But before we do, um, I just want to share a story with you, a story of something that happened, oh, I'm dropping things, um, something that happened on my wedding night. Um, no, don't worry. <laughs> Let's not go there. Um, but a bit earlier than that, uh, at the reception, a bit of a story. I've dug myself a hole now. I'm never going to get out of that one. But weddings are busy times, and weddings are crazy times in the lead-up. And I can't think of a more busy and crazy time than in the lead-up to organising and planning and making things for our wedding. And one of the most challenging things to make, and some of you might relate to this, is a guest list. And there's a few nods going around the room. A guest list is incredibly hard to make. And we were young and, and didn't have an unlimited budget, so some people just had to miss out. Some people um, that we would have loved to be there weren't able to be there. So we made a list. We had Excel spreadsheets. We had scenario one, scenario two. We had we 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 made it and finalised it. Felt it was good. Then we changed it and then we came back to it. And it was a really hard list to make. One of the people that made it onto that list was a mate of mine from school times. We were really close mates, like like really close mates to the point that we did school together. We also played basketball together. Um, I would go on his family holidays. He would come on ours. And, and if we weren't away on holidays, we'd be hanging out in Melbourne together through the holidays. We were close mates, probably to the point that if I had got married when I was 18, he probably would have been my best man. Um... Over the uni years and the years after school, we've kept ba- touching base a little bit, but not as much, to the point that when we catch up, we'd be like, oh, as if nothing had happened and, and we're just mates like we were at school. But we weren't maybe as close and some other guys had come into to life, so they, he didn't make it into the bridal party, but he definitely, definitely got an invite as, as a close friend. About eight o'clock on our wedding night, the main meal was wrapping up and we were getting ready to cut the cake and start the speeches and all the the formalities of the evening and things were just getting going and and this friend of mine came up to me and he said something that surprised me he said oh hey Matt firstly he said congratulations so pleased for you all the nice cities that you usually say on a wedding day Um, but then he said I'm sorry but I'm just gonna have to go and immediately my my mind went to I hope everything's okay. Uh, Is everything okay? And and I asked him that question and his response shocked me. And it still shocks me today. He said, oh, I've actually got a a 21st from a mate from work that I just feel like I want to be at as well. And I was like, something inside me sunk. I felt a sense of smallness and undervalued and to an extent used. You see our busyness, our fullness of life, that might be an extreme example but it actually affects the well-being of ourselves, yes, but also the people around us. Our busyness is, is, pervades all of our society. Um, we are incredibly busy and... Oh, hang on, I've got to turn this on. We're incredibly busy and most of us hate it. Most of us wish that we weren't so busy. 
but it's everywhere. How often have you heard the, the dialogue that goes something like, oh, how was your week? And the response goes, oh, pretty good. Pretty busy, actually. Or maybe it's the, oh, I just can't wait to get over the next two weeks. They're pretty busy. And we start wishing our life away. How easy is it to do that? We live in a culture that never stops from smartphones and on-demand streaming of TV. We have notifications and messages and phone calls and apps tapping on our shoulder all the time. Our Our communities are diversifying where in the past school, sport and church used to be the same people, but now we're spreading ourselves ever more thin. And we notice it more at this time than ever, when we have breakups and Christmas events and festivities pulling on our calendars and we squeeze and we squeeze and we squeeze more in. And it costs us. You see in that story that I told that it costs the people around us too. It costs our family and our friends. Our busyness costs us. We know that and we hate it. We don't set clear boundaries when we're busy. We try and multitask, do things all at the same time. Our focus gets spread. And what happens is we're less present in the current moment. We're less invested in the current relationships or in the current experience. A recent author wrote this and said, if you spend enough time in a frenetic state of shallowness, that is this busyness, this craziness, this urge to keep filling life, we reduce our capacity to perform deep work. Our world is craving deep people. We crave to be around deep people. We even crave to be deep people. But our busyness affects our depth and our depth of our ability to interact with the world around us. It affects our ability to be creative, to be innovative, because it's sometimes in those slowdown moments that you come up with great ideas. It affects our ability to rest. I can even think of in the last month moments when I'm trying to wind down and resting and I'm watching a TV show. But then I go, oh, let me just check something on my computer and I'm doing some research for something maybe a holiday or or something else. And then I go, oh, let me just have my social media feed on the side and I diversify my experience and I don't actually rest. I'm actually chasing this craving of stimulation that my brain has. Our shallowness reduces our capacity to perform deep work in our relationships with the people around us. It impacts our ability to invest. And Troy's going to be sharing with us next week more about that and unpacking some strategies and things and ways in which we can do deep relationships. So where does FOMO sit into this? And my clicker's actually died, guys. Yeah, do you want to jump on, Timmy? Thank you. Um, so where does FOMO sit into this? And, and if you're sitting there and you're going, oh, I think I have an idea about what FOMO is from some of those drama sketches and things. FOMO is common language amongst Gen Ys and Millennials. And it stands for the fear of missing out. And uh, I went to a really reliable source, uh, the urbandictionary.com, to find a definition. So, Timmy, do you want to chuck that up? Where, where FOMO is a compulsive concern that one might miss an opportunity or something good. 
our brains crave stimulation. Deep in each of us is a desire to live deeply, a desire to live a good life, to be satisfied with our time here, to accumulate good experiences. But this fear, FOMO, uh, actually is this idea that actually there's something more out there and I could grab more and if I just go for more, then maybe I'll get more of that satisfaction. And, and it perpetuates this lie, thanks Tim, that more is better. And it's subtle. Sometimes you don't even realise that this is happening, but things and opportunities come up or, or you see other people's uh, situations and you desire after that. There's this desire to accumulate more. Let me give you an example. Uh, I've got two kids. Uh, Jonah is three. Ariette is 18 months old. Uh, and recently, Beck and I talked about how it would be good for us to do some landscaping in the backyard to make it a bit more child-friendly. You know, we want to be able to let them run around and have some play out in the backyard, but I've got tools and nails and bits of timber and things like that on everywhere. So let's, let's make it a bit more child-friendly. And, and then I had the idea of, wouldn't it be nice if I had a, a slide out the back that, with a little bit of a cubby? That'd be nice. And so I jump on Pinterest. Um, anybody know what Pinterest is? There's probably a few nods. There's a few that don't know. Pinterest is an app that allows you to search uh, photos and, and compare different photos. So I'm searching photos of cubbies. And immediately you get ideas and, and uh, in my mind, thoughts of castles with crazy connections going on or um, platforms that are interconnected with ropes, uh, rope ladders. And uh, all of a sudden, what was a little cubby with a slide in my mind grew to a project. And a project that would have a swing coming off of it and I might even grow grapevines up into it so I can harvest my grapes and plant fruit trees all around it to create walls and how cool would this be? And that's this true story. This is earlier this year. I started making this project. It takes time to make a project like that, a lot of time and effort and money. And I probably got a little bit absorbed in this project and Beck's killing herself laughing over here where I would push and push and uh, we have a bit of a slope so I'm building retaining walls to try and flatten things out so a swing could actually go this, not like woo-woo. And quickly a lot of my time got absorbed in this and I didn't feel great and we pushed and pushed and we got to a holiday, it's September school holidays, Beck's a teacher, so we took the school holidays off and it took me nearly a week to even just actually wind down because I'd been pushing and pushing and pushing and what am I achieving? What am I gaining? It's this idea that maybe if I got more, it would be better and I wonder for you if there's that in your life and it might not be the construction of a backyard thing, it might be something different, it might be the, the connection, the social gatherings or it might be the, the watching of something or going away on that, that holiday or whatever it is that there's this idea that more is better. And it's not. And we know that this busyness eats at us. So what can we do? What can we do to fight and combat the FOMO? And you'll see on your your seats, there's a a bunch of sheets of paper that just have a a few practical hints and tips and outlines. Feel free to take that with you or even scribble some notes and thoughts as you go. But firstly, we need to stop We've forgotten as a culture, as a society, how to stop. Or maybe we've forgotten its importance. 
our brains are craving this stimulation and they wander around aimlessly searching and following this give me more attitude, especially the younger ones in the room who have phones who feel like, oh, maybe I just should check that again. And I'm looking, these guys in the front row with their phones out even, hopefully they're taking notes. But um, but we crave this this desire for give me more, give me more. And we lose our ability to be fully here. So let's learn to stop. Let's learn to be more fully present. Stop feeding that impulse and be fully attentive to what you're doing. Let's be better, not multitaskers, but single taskers. Both in the things that we do and also the relationships that we have, that when we spend time with people, we're not also spending time with a whole bunch of other people. You know, like, let's stop and be deep in our interactions with each other and be deep in what we're doing. And let's learn to rest in those places of sometimes nothing and non-achievement. Thanks, Timmy. Replying is not a competition. Let go of the pressure to reply to everything right away. We get notifications, messages, emails, things that come up that we feel like we need to reply to straight away. We need to create spaces in life where we're not accessible. And that's okay. You're not going to win a medal or a trophy for replying as quickly as you can. In fact, you often just build up a sense of, I'm not resting, and maybe even an anxiety builds into that space. We need to be better at identifying what's urgent versus what's important. Sometimes the important things that maybe aren't so urgent creep into our lives and they pervade and take our focus away from where we should be. And we need to be able to go, actually, that's important, but it can wait and be better at creating that difference between urgent and important. We've got to accept that you can't do it all. You can't. And that's okay. There are so many things you could do in life. There are so many opportunities. There's so many, even like this time of year when there's so many things in your calendar, there's so many pressures and actually it's okay not to do them all. It's okay to say no. Because what you're learning to do is say no to something like that so that you can say yes to something that you invest in more deeply. It's okay to do that. Next, life is like a car. And what I mean by that is that we actually need to service it regularly. Our lives quickly get out of our our control and they need us to sit back and go, okay, what's important? What's valuable? Quickly, we build up these things in our lives or, or our habits get out of control and we need to sit back and go, let me just shake things up a little bit. Let me correct what I'm doing here. What's important? So I want to encourage you to actually go away before the crazy, silly season of Christmas starts, but even just more generally in life, to have some structures and systems where you stop and reevaluate what is most important to me. What are the things in your life and are they important? Which I guess begs this question. Against what, what values do we actually structure our priorities? Why do we prioritise what we prioritise? What are the things that we put in our lives first? And if you're a follower of Jesus, this question actually has another layer which says, 
actually, where does that fit in with what God wants for my life? What God wants me to strive towards and chase after? Where does that fit? And I want to just take a moment to to dive into some of the ancient Hebrew wisdom literature and the book of Proverbs and see what wisdom that brings to this topic of how full our lives are and where the good life is to be found. And the book of Proverbs hinges on this one little passage in uh, in the chapter 9. It says these words here and it says, um, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And if we're going to navigate this issue, we need some wisdom. So what's this fear of the Lord thing? And it goes on and again builds on this later in the book and says, Better to have little with fear of the Lord than have great treasure but this internal turmoil. And to me, that speaks of this turmoil that we feel of busyness and the accumulation of fullness of stuff and jamming and cramming into life, that we're trying to gain treasure, but we end up in this turmoil. But actually, there's wisdom to be found in having a little, but also this thing called fear of the Lord. Now, when I was younger, I probably would have read that and thought that this fear of the Lord, okay, so I need to think that God's going to squash me, and so I should do what he says. And, and there's a sense of, of fear that, that I should be trembling and, and terrified of this God. But there's two words that the Hebrews use to describe fear, and I'm just going to just outline each of the words. The first one is this, bahad. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. <laughs> but this word bahad means to shake, literally. And I think that describes more of the the terrified sort of feeling. And, and I don't know that that means that we can never be terrified of God, but I don't know that this is what they're saying the cornerstone of, of wisdom is. Because that's not the word that they describe the fear of the Lord as. They use this other word. Yira or Yirat, which actually means in its literal understanding is a, a sense of flowing in the gut, that something is happening inside. If you think about, say, you went, if you ever stood on the, a mountainside or a cliffside and looked out over a valley or looked up at the stars and seen something amazing that's made your gut go, whoa. The Hebrew people would use this word, yirat, a sense of woe in your gut that gives us an awe and a wonder and yeah, a reverence of, of maybe and a respect for how big God is and maybe how relatively small I am. Not necessarily less valuable, but small. And I think sometimes in our lives, if we make regular time to stop if we make regular time to include God and sit in awe of Him, that some of our anxieties and our pushes and drives to achieve more actually fall away. There's a, there's a, a fullness and a meaningfulness of life that comes when we stand in awe, when we feel a yirat of God, of Lord. It's a different kind of fear to FOMO. It doesn't drive us and drive us and drive us and drive us. Actually, it's more of a fear that slows us 
and stops us. And it's good and it's healthy. Maybe in your busyness, you need to take time to actually stand in awe of God and let him take that pressure and pushing and striving and impulse and urge to try and gain and grab and achieve more. Allow him to actually be in that place. Allow him to speak into that place. Speak into your sense of worth and value so that you're not trying to achieve that for yourself. Maybe you need yirat or yira. This proverb uh, is echoed in Jesus' words a few centuries later and he said these words. He said, What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? And soul, he's talking about your breath, your life, your existence. What do you gain? What is the benefit if you try and accumulate and grab and achieve and, and control your own self but lose this sense of life and immediately beforehand he gives great insight into what is most important in life when he says if you try and hang on to your life you will lose it but if you give up your life for my sake you will save it they're wise words they're wise words jesus words and what he seems to be pointing out is this experience this common experience that we have where we try and grab at life, we try and grab at all of the opportunities and, and our FOMO drives us to go, but if I could just have that or if I could just do that or if I just went along to that, then, then I would feel this sense of satisfaction. But Jesus speaks that to go, does it really? Do you feel satisfied in your busyness? No. That's not where life is to be found, this constant seeking after a, an urge to, to get more and gain more and understand more and do more. More is not better. Actually, there's some sense of meaningfulness in when we give up and we shift our mindset, we shift our attitude and we give up some of that control. We give up some of that control for his sake. For Jesus' sake, that he might actually use us, that he might actually direct us and shape us in our life. Maybe for you, this time of asking, okay, what values will I prioritize? What things will I put in my life? What is important? We need to stop and remember, let's service our car in a way that we go, actually, you're right, Jesus. That constant pursuit is not meaningful and life-giving. Maybe I need to come into a place of going, where do you want me, Jesus? Where would you have me? What would you have me do? An others-focused life, a Jesus-focused life that floods into the place where we impact the lives of the people around us rather than constantly seeking impact in our own life. That's where life is to be found. That's where Jesus points us towards. We're busy. We're busy, 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 busy people. Let's be people who are able to stop. Let's be people who are able to stand in awe and reorient our priorities with those of God. And so as the crazy season starts, we thought it would be a good idea to just have a reminder of that, to sit here and go, maybe I do need to go home and actually think about the season I'm going to go into. 
maybe I do need to think about where is Jesus' priorities in this season? What's he doing and where can I partner with him? So I might invite the band guys to come up and you might be sitting there going, Matt, I'm so, so busy. I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. I'm trying and trying and trying. And I feel like I don't have control. And I need to just catch a breath, but I feel like I can't. And if that's you, then Jesus is saying to you, stop. Stop and stand in awe of me. Stand in awe of what I have done for you. Stand in awe of what I am able to do for you. Stand in awe of what I say of you, of your value to him. So as these guys play this song, might you have a chance and a moment that you might stop, but may it inspire you into a a rhythm or a routine that you might stop regularly and allow him to refresh you. You might find on the bottom of your page, there's a space where it says, what am I going to say no to? It's easy to listen to these words and go, yeah, I do want that. Yeah, I do want that. But hold tight still and not actually say no. We've got to be able to go out. We've got to be able to say, actually, no, I'm going to invest deeply here and say no to that. And that's okay. Maybe you need to be able to say no and give up to Jesus that sense of control of life. Maybe you've been striving and controlling your life, trying to seek that satisfaction and you just need to actually go, Jesus, you take it. Take me where you want me to go. Let me rest beside you and would you fill the wind in my sails. May we be a people who can fear the Lord, not fear missing out. And may we find a way to navigate our busy, busy culture. Thanks, guys.